0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Tuesday, May the 31st. And wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's grace. I wish you God's goodness. I wish you God's life today, my friends. So we are celebrating a feast day today. Now, I know yesterday I took us. Yesterday was ordinary time. It was a Monday in Ordinary Time. Now, yes, it was a holiday. It was Memorial Day within the country, but that's not a holy day within the church. Um, but I had us focus on the Feast of the Ascension because that's one of the, you know, prime holy days within the church year. So I brought it over to Monday. Well, today it is the uh, a holy day of its own volition, not mine moving it. Uh, You know, many of you realize that the month of May, we honor Mary, our mother Mary, in a special way. And today is one of those feast days where it's the visitation, right? Gosh, a week ago today, we prayed it with our rosary. It was that feast. Uh, And we are going to hear that story in our gospel today. So it's a little bit longer out of Luke because we get some of the best stories. You know, remember, the infancy narratives are only in two gospels, Matthew and Luke. They're both fantastic, uh, but they are very different. And Luke's focuses on Mary. The uh, the Annunciation is in Luke. The Visitation is in Luke. Uh, that whole idea of Zechariah and Elizabeth, that's all in Luke. So anyway, without going off too much, Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 56, a story you're very familiar with. I invite you to hear it. As if for the first time today, my friends. Let's break open God's Word. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Most blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. And Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. The promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children, forever. Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So here's where I want us to start. It says here at the beginning Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste. If we were to read verses oh, well, this is Luke, or excuse me Luke chapter one, verse starts with 39. If we were to read 37 or 38, what story would we be hearing? Do you know? Well, it's the story of the Annunciation. The story immediately preceding this. And don't take my word for it. Look it up. It's the angel Gabriel coming to Mary and saying, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. And Mary doesn't know what to do with it. And ultimately, it's their interchange. And her at the end basically saying, Be it done unto me. I am the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to your word. And with that, the angel left her. That is verse 37 and 38. And what does she do with this information? Now, my friends, imagine this. If you can, I I am inviting us to do this sincerely. Imagine yourself, again, being 14, 15, 16 years old. Because that's the idea of how old Mary was. So let's even say she's at the, the higher end of that. She's 16. She's a sophomore in high school, okay? She knows that her people have been longing, looking, desiring, in need of the Savior. They have constantly been asking, Lord, how long? How long will you let us suffer? How long until you show your face to us? This would have been very familiar to her. I don't care how old she is. The the weight of the people and their longing for this Messiah, she would have known very well. And here, Gabriel comes to her and announces from all creation that she is to be the mother of the one whom this nation, whom her tribe, her people, have been waiting to come. She is to be the mother of the one. So, A, number one, here, here's this woman who, who, who just realizes the fulfillment of the, of the Messianic prophecy is at hand. That's unbelievable. Point number two, I'm involved in it. Point number three, I'm engaged. And I'm ultimately going to be pregnant. So what did this 16-year-old, this sophomore in high school, what did she do with that? Did she go to her mom and dad and discuss it? Did she um, sit and ponder you know, and, and create a plan, go to Joseph and say, Joseph, let's map this out together. Immediately, immediately, she goes off to her cousin Elizabeth. Why? Because in the interchange between Gabriel and Mary, part of Mary's questioning, Gabriel answers by saying, for nothing is impossible with God. Even your cousin Elizabeth, she whom was barren, is now in her sixth month of pregnancy. God can do all things. So this was news to Mary during this interchange. So this woman who realizes she is now impregnated, she is part of the plan. The Messianic prophecy is coming true. This is going to cause incredible consternation, not only among her her fiancé, but in the town. Goes immediately to be with Elizabeth. And how long is she there? Three months. Why? She stays with Elizabeth through the birth. And and so we get a glimpse into who this young woman is. One, incredibly humble. And and we see that not only in the story of the Annunciation that I'm, I'm speaking of, but in today's story, right? Unbelievably humble. Too unbelievably self assured and strong. And that doesn't mean self assured in I'm good, not because of God. She knows her goodness comes through God, but she knows who she is. She is no shrinking Violet Mary. Don't buy any of that stuff. She's incredibly strong and knows who she is and what her role is within that. And her trust is unbelievable. And thirdly, she is a woman of family. And a woman of hospitality, because she immediately goes out to be amongst her family to assist in whatever way Elizabeth is in need, and that gorgeous interchange. Now, so remember, Mary's up in Nazareth. That's up in Galilee. That's in the north country, Uh, and she's going down to Judea. That's the southern country. So let's say she's going. I'm going to take a stab at it. I may be wrong, so don't don't hold me to it. Fifty to seventy miles. This is, this is no easy journey she's making. And when she comes back, by the way, three months plus, she's going to be showing. How do you hide that? When they know she's been out of town for a while. Again, we're going to put that in the back burner. That's something for us to ponder another day. But the, the unbelievable strength and humility and goodness of this woman. My friends, regardless of, of where you feel Mary's role is, that deserves our recognition doesn't it it absolutely does uh, you know and, and again i was going to talk about the interchange between she and elizabeth um again it's part of the rosary that we pray right or elizabeth's words right here most blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb how does it happen to me? that the mother of my lord should come to me and the baby leaps in a room what baby is it of course it's john the baptist right leaps in her womb. And what does Mary say? Ah, oh, shucks. Don't worry about it. I had nothing else going on. Don't don't worry about me. Oh, I'm just, just here to serve. You know. No. Mary goes into what we call the Magnificat, one of the most beautiful, strong, humble, and accurate statements of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be a follower of Christ and who God is and who we are. I mean, it's unbelievable. So, brothers and sisters, this is my second and last point that I want to make. I know I went on super long yesterday. I'm going to try to be less so today, but this is way too good. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. It doesn't proclaim her own greatness. This woman who, two sentences later, is going to say, from this, generation, from this day, all generations will call me blessed. Which one of us could say that? And would say that with the same humility. Oh, My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. She's not saying, hey, I I got it all under control. I got this thing. She realizes that the greatness is only that of the Lord. And God is her savior, not herself. For he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. She knows who she is. She is from a backwater town in a backwater country that is occupied and nobody knows it. Brothers and sisters, let's be honest she was a lowly servant and and that's not cutting mary in the least but god has lifted her he has looked with favor on his lowly servant from this day on all generations will call me blessed the almighty has done great things for me and holy is his name that's it's i mean honestly it brings tears to my eyes it's so beautiful now here's the part i want to talk about And brothers and sisters, I'm going to talk about it in terms of Catholic social teaching and what I call, not what I have termed, but but I'm going to bring to you, which is called preferential option for the poor. Brothers and sisters, and, and I want you to hear this now with these words that I'm going to say, that our God has within God's very heart a soft spot for those who are on the fringes, for those who are lowly for those who are poor in spirit, those who are outcast, those who are misfits, those who are not on the seats of power. And brothers and sisters, if we don't get that through the life of Jesus, which, by the way, it's the air we breathe when we're we're reading the Gospels, who does Jesus go out to constantly? I mean, literally, it's the air we breathe. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. But, this idea of the preferential option for the poor god's soft spot for the soft spot in his heart for the poor that we are called to incarnate and carry within us as we reach out to them it comes from all over the gospel from all over scripture by the way the lord hears the cry of the poor blessed be the lord you remember singing that this is not just a christian thing this comes from our hebrew brothers and sisters but but You can easily point to it in the Gospels in two places. I would say Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. Come, you are blessed, my father, because I was hungry and you gave me something to drink. Or something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Naked and you clothed me. Ill and imprisoned and you visited me. Right? That idea of outcast. But this is the other one. The Magnificat. Listen to Mary's words here. There's this constant duality that she's talking about that the proud, he is scattered. Uh, The mighty are cast down from their thrones. The rich have been sent away empty, but the hungry have given good things, lifted up the lowly. Um, He has mercy on those in every generation who fear him. Brothers and sisters, the question is not whether God has a soft spot for the poor in his heart. The question is, do we? And 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 part two of that is who are the poor in our lives? Who are the poor? They they're not just those with without finances, although they are that too. They're anyone on the fringes and on the edges whose voice is not heard. Brothers and sisters. Those are the ones we need to go to. I'm going to give an example of this. Now, this is just an example. I'm not trying to make a political statement, but I am trying to be honest. And I am saying this is, this is partly how this could be answered. Um, a couple of years ago, after George Floyd's uh, death, and so this would have been almost exactly two years ago, uh, one of the priests uh, with whom I worked here at the parishes made a statement in his homily that black lives matter. He was not saying, go out and join the organization, and, and you know, for better or worse on that. I'm not going to pass any judgment on that. But he simply said, black lives matter. Which, by the way, who can argue with that statement? It's incredibly true. And, of course, that, that created a little bit of fuss um, in these small towns. And uh, I remember talking with somebody. And this person is a wonderful person of faith, wonderful person. So there is no castigating and, and no you know casting dispersions here. Um, but uh, this person was saying, listen, all lives matter. We've all heard that retort as well, which, of course, is a true statement, 100% true. But I'll, I'll use two examples here, one that I use, but one that my daughter Molly gave. And, and the one Molly gave is that idea of, listen, all houses are equal to This this is Molly's example. All houses are equal. But if one of the houses is on fire, that's the one that gets our attention right now. And that's the one we need to go to, right? The example I used is Jesus had 100 sheep. And if he he even used the example, what shepherd among you, if he has 100 sheep, wouldn't leave the 99 and go looking after the one that's lost, the one who's afraid, the one who's on the outskirts, the one who doesn't know what they're going to do, the one who is in harm's way, the one who's fearful, the one who is, is lonely and isolated, which one of you wouldn't go after that one right now? And when you find them, you, you rejoice with that sheep. You put it on your shoulders. You bring it back, and you say to everybody, rejoice with me. And, and my point being, our, our, our black sisters and brothers, our black family, uh, those, those in our, in our midst, Right now they are, they are feeling that lostness and we need to walk with them during that time. My point here is, is not, let's focus solely on that, although let's make sure that's part of our, our, our radar. But my focus is to say, who are those people who are feeling lost in our midst, who are feeling on the fringes, who are feeling alone? Because Mary, the strong, humble good woman reminds us the mighty the rich the proud don't cast your lot in with them because they that they are being cast down from their thrones and sent away empty but the lowly those who rely on god those who who in their humility realize we are in need of a savior And therefore, others are too. And we are to go out with them and find them and place them on our shoulders. Or we on theirs. Or arm in arm, we walk together toward this one that we call our Savior. Because we are in need of one another. And we rise and fall together. That is what community, that is what uh, it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It is not just something we do as an individual, my friends. It is something we do as a people. And our God, through this wonderful woman, reminds us of that today. Let's pray. So we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The second luminous mystery, the wedding feast at Cana. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. My friends, bless you on this feast day, this feast of the visitation. May we carry some of that goodness and strength and humility of Mary within us today. Be well, and God's peace.